Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Welcome to Driven Radio. I am Brett Hatfield here with our engineer and co-host Catfish Groves and Mr. Corey Pratt of Craving Cars on YouTube. That's me. We are coming to you from Driven Radio World Headquarters in scenic, lovely Overland Park, Kansas. Ah, Overland Park. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. On iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. Nice. Started doing more. I started looking at the integrations on our podcast server this week and realized we weren't as in as many places as we needed to be. Oh, so you got busy, did you? So, yeah, we're getting Electronicifying it. Yeehaw. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and be sure to tell all of your friends. If there's something you'd like to hear more of or someone you think we should interview, please tell us. You can send us an email at brett at readthedriven.com. That's B-R-E-T-T at readthedriven.com. Sweet Jesus, Palomino, we made it to 100 shows. 100 shows. Holy crap moly. (laughs) I can't believe it. Hit the century. Took us just a little over two years, but we are recording show number 100 tonight. Uh, We've been through a lot since we started out at Intercom Radio in June of 2018. Mark had the idea for Driven Radio for years, but he needed a chatty car nerd to hold down the other end. I'm just an idiot with an idea. The other end. I needed somebody who was smart. You're being modest. Uh, Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was a serious idiot. (laughs) Needed somebody smart, couldn't find him settled for me. Yeah. (laughs) We recorded. Recorded the first 36 shows at the radio station, adding co-host Vern Estes along the way. And then Mark's job grew a second head and demanded all his free time. And Vern and I took our show on the road. Uh, We studio hopped for months trying to find a permanent home. And after seven months, Vern had to leave and focus on his dealership. And it looked like the wheels were just going to fall off this, this whole deal. Just in the nick of time, Mark returned. We found Corey. That, that's just me again. And and, <laughs> and I quit being a, a cheapskate and built a studio <laughs> in my home so we would have a permanent location. Just click your mics together and say there's no place like home. There's no place click, like click. home, baby. Uh, that was in November of last year, and we've been speeding along ever since. All of this is just a little way to encapsulate what's been going on and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for hanging on with us through all the garbage. We're so happy we finally got our, our permanent home here, mm-hmm. and we're so happy that you stuck with us. We could not do this without you, so thank you very much. And I also want to say congratulations to you, Brett, for hanging on for this, and for Mark as well as having this idea, because obviously one for you two, I wouldn't even be here either doing this. <laughs> I'm the new kid in the block still, even though it's been since November, so we're actually not far from a year that I've been here. I know, isn't oh, that amazing? Yeah, but we haven't How forgotten. Quick- and, 
and we got to also mention to you, listeners, we did not mention this uh, last week uh, because I feel like a terrible human being, but this wasn't far off from Brett's birthday either. Oh, yeah. so yay! Happy birthday to Brett! Boo-hoo. Oh, great! Now he's one hundred, also. <laughs> perfect, perfect time. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> What's a podcast? Uh-huh. Uh, this week we've got news about the 2020 Lake Garnett Grand Prix Revival Hot Damn. They're going to do it. Yes. Nice. Hallelujah. That's awesome. uh, a new Nissan Z car is in the works. Thank God. And we've about got time. news about a Camaro owner who will teach all you low ballers a lesson. Sort of. Sort of. Jack leg. <laughs> yeah. uh, our special guests this week are Seth Burgett of Gateway Bronco and Ford GT chief designer Camilo Pardo. Guys, we got Camillo Pardo on the show. That's yes, pretty cool. Holy moly. Awesome. You got Camillo Pardo on the show. Seth well and Camillo played. will be here to discuss the Ford GT, badass Broncos, classic Ford pickups, and their collaboration on the cool stuff coming from Gateway. A little later in the show, we will be talking to the master of hearse madness, Chris DeGanchi. Chris will be here to tell us about the monstrous hearse build he's working on. Oh, my God. He's an evil genius. You should see this thing. Uh, the science of doing dumb stuff and how painting your office can help you build a motor. Uh, we have plenty of news to cover this week, gentlemen. So let's get to it. From ClassicMotorsports.com, the 2020 Lake Garnett Grand Prix Revival it's coming back in October. Cool, right. dude. October's going to be a great month, man. As long as nothing goes wonk, it's going to be awesome. The, oh, uh, how oh, dare you, you jinx I, I, it. I did get to check this show out last year, and it was, it was heck of oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got old school American iron. They've got the British Roadsters, just about everything in between. They're all on the menu for the 7th Annual Lake Garnett Grand Prix Revival. It's a celebration of classic vintage modern cars. It takes place in nearly 300-acre North Lake Park in Garnett, Kansas. Yes. You ever been to Garnett? Yes, I, I have. I, I've been yeah, down to once, this race last three year. years running, and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's not a big town. Dumb. But this is a big damn deal. And I Hell think yeah, it is. You go, Garnett. Yep. Uh, it's built as the former home of one of the most popular sports car races in the Midwest, the Lake Garnett Grand Prix. Although formal race events at the Lake Garnett Raceway ended in the 1970s, the Lake Garnett Grand Prix revival has been bringing back the sights and sounds of racing to the historic track since it started back up in 2014. Now, featured events uh, during the October 9th through 11th weekend. Write that down. October 9th through 11th include... Going to be here before you know it. Autocross yep. sessions, car shows, road tours, even high-performance exhibitions around the historic Lake Garnett Raceway. New for 2020, though, is a rookie group. <laughs> <laughs> this this would be fun. I, I remember watching my son, uh, when he was a kid, play uh, soccer mm-hmm. for like yeah. the first time yeah. in the little church league team. Uh-huh. And it was like watching a squid trying to kick a ball's ass. <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing thing. So this, uh, good on you, youngsters, ages 60 to 17 if they possess a valid driver's license to drive the track in their own dedicated class they're going to have that for them event organizers point out though that the drivers in this class will need to be accompanied by a legal guardian of at least 25 years of age so your cool uncle yeah you'll get him who's hopefully (laughs) who's hopefully not blind yeah (laughs) just put it on the right pedal push that one see Uh what happens speeds will be limited to 60 miles per hour admission and parking for spectators are free organizers are encouraging uh families and car enthusiasts of all ages to come celebrate these amazing automobiles if you want to find out more you can visit lake garnett grand prix revival website for more information about the upcoming event and of course go to readthedriven.com uh my buddy daryl whom you have met uh 
he has a GT40 replica. Oh, yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, there. he's so smart. Yeah, and that thing is stupid fast. Car weighs probably 2,400 pounds. Oh, yeah, puts yeah. down around 500 horse. He let, oh. me, he let me sit in that car last time, and uh, wow, that was tough. <laughs> I'm 6'2", so that, yeah. that was a little rough. Oh, yeah. That yeah. got it tough. Well, and <laughs> it's, it's got the, the door that closes into the roof, yep. Yep. so it will let you know immediately <laughs> if you are too tall. There was no way I was getting in that with a helmet. Let's just put it that way. And coming from Road and Track, we got a new Nissan Z coming. It's yes. about time. You know, I looked at this article on Road and Track, yeah. and they mentioned the last time we had a new Z was 2009, I think it was. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a little while. So that was way longer than it should be. That was three Corvettes ago. <laughs> You're yeah. talking in Corvette years. <laughs> that was <laughs> three Corvette talks. That was sixth gen, seventh gen, yeah. eighth gen Corvette. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, but hey, um, and, and and I've uh, been kind of following this a little bit and, and things going. But this is kind of cool because Road Track's got some good info for us. Uh, the Nissan Z Proto, it's kind of what they're calling it right now, previews a striking return to form. So I like that. I don't know if any of you guys ever heard about this coming up, but Nissan has replaced in the works for the 370Z, and they're calling it the the, the Z Proto, the Z the Proto Z. Uh, bears a striking resemblance of the original 240Z, which is really exciting to me. Uh, from the shark nose to its long fastback roof line. And if you guys see any pictures on this, it's it actually, I, I think the ones that are out now are more official now, right? It's basically yeah, kind of what I, it's going to look like ish. My understanding is this is real close to what the production model is going to be. Yeah, I, I believe you're correct here. Uh, the rear uh, shows shades of the Z32 generation of the 300ZX. With the blackout fascia panel and oval tail lights, one of the coolest throwback details are the headlights. Uh, to me, uh, inspired by the Japan only version of the 240ZG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's super cool. Basically, what that is is just it's, it's glass covered front headlights, yeah. like instead of. Just but you couldn't normal. get that anyplace but Japan, and it became a really big deal to be able to get those plexiglass covers. Yep. For earlier Z, there's a lot of people that restored them here in America. That was, was just ordering them and putting them on, yeah, an unofficial one, but it still looked cool, still looked cool, or made their own versions. Daytime running lights of the Z Proto were meant to invoke the reflection of the glass covers. Yeah, they're kind of, of the 240 ZG. It's, it's like a, an above and below LED, almost like an eyebrow and a and a, a yes, a, a not an eyebrow. Yeah. Now this is it looks like it is going to be a little bit longer than the outgoing 370Z by about five inches and slightly wider. Which, to be honest, that's probably a better trackable car that way. I sure. think it's going to be very, very nice. I think it really looks like a modern version of the original 240. I like it a lot. I, I, as do I. Now, maybe the inside might be a little bit more of a simple, refreshing uh, look of the 370Z's interior. Yeah. yeah. You know, carrying over a few things, uh, but with possibly a new digital gauge cluster, which could be really cool, and an infotainment center that actually might be up to date, unlike the 370Zs. Well, given that, you know, they were going to have to do something probably closer to the, the 370, they could not go back to the original because they were going to have to have infotainment. They were going to have to have the electronic stuff. Yes. You know, it's yes, mandatory yes. now that we've got uh, backup cameras on production cars, so they were going to yep. have to have some kind of a screen. Now, there are two things here that excite me the absolute most with this, and one of them, it's going to be a Turbo Z. It's about stinking time. Three-liter V6 twin turbo. Now, the road track is saying, what, around three to 400 horsepower. I actually feel like it's going to be closer to the 400 mark because they have an Infiniti now because they're using the same engine. That is a 400 horsepower 
three liter turbo. I'm guessing the only thing that would really limit it is packaging. Possibly, is, is maybe they don't have a couple versions of it. Yeah, maybe, because the the what is it now? Three thirty two, the three seventy Z now. Yeah, and you know they mentioned that each each progressive generation is more powerful yes. than the one before it. So four hundred kind of makes sense. And honestly, even with a six, four hundreds on the low end for most of the stuff being made now. We're so lucky as car guys because everything's five, six, seven hundred horse. Oh yeah, but it wouldn't have the balance that Z's are known right, for. Right, right. Uh, I don't see this being less power than the Supra. If they're going to be competitive Probably to the not. Supra, I Probably don't see it not. being less power than that. It's already a better looking car than the Supra. But the cool thing that this has, the Supra doesn't get, which is the second thing that I think is the coolest: six-speed manual transmission as standard. That's right, baby. That I would act. I'd go look at this. Yes. I'd look at this for the Remember that list we did a while back about what manual transmissions are still alive? Mm -hmm. This could be one of them right here. Yes, baby. So rear-wheel drive. uh, Nissan has been pretty quiet about a lot of the tech details. You're looking at – so if you want some performance ideas here with that kind of power, 285, 35-19s in the rear. That's a big meat. 255, 40-19s in the front. That's that's a lot of tires. So, yeah, I would think it's ready to – It isn't dealership ready. They say it's not far off. The Z Proto you see in the concept here looks very close with this final, says the Nissan CEO. Awesome. I, I dig it. I think it's a good-looking car. From the, oh, what a dumbass file. This sucks. This guy. <laughs> From the drive. We've got a story about a vengeful seller who hacks his own vintage Chevy Camaro to pieces to get back at people giving him lowball offers. <laughs> what a jackass. <laughs> A user from the Facebook group called Clapped Out, who goes by the name of John Danger, has been trying to sell a 72 Chevy Camaro, and he's been receiving what he claims to be too many messages from people pestering him about price, condition, etc. Rather than gut it or to put it up or put up with a mild frustration of the questions, this jackass decided he'd chop the car into pieces. He fired up a live stream found a Sawzall, and went to work. The video is right around 40 minutes long, and it shows the fed-up jack leg slowly but surely <laughs> cutting chunks off his orange split fender Camaros. That, that They say split fender. should have been split bumper. I love these. I love these. This is second gen, early second-gen Camaro with Kragers on it, no Kragers. less. I know that's where the sin is. Although he didn't cut the Kragers, so I'm, you know I'm doing all right. Yeah, but he's still. Maybe you can. I, I know where you can probably find a set. <laughs> I know where you can find now. a set of four Kragers fairly cheap. Yeah. At one point, I better the, not lowball him. Though. Yeah, no, sorry. no kidding. At one point during the video, he talks to somebody off camera, explaining the rationale behind his decision. I'm going to read this in the voice that I think this guy has. I have not oh, seen the boy. video. I can't bring myself to watch it. Why am I going to sell it to somebody for nothing? I'd rather cut it up and take it to the junkyard and give, and give it the F away. Now, Andy, what's that boy doing cutting up his Camaro? Andy? At least you don't have to worry about his gun being loaded because there's that one bullet that's in his pocket. Oh, yeah. What a jerkweed. I don't understand it at all, and I'm, I am no, I didn't either. see any pictures of it beforehand. Since yeah. it was on a clapped-out website... It wh- was clean. Well, the outside was clean. I saw, you know, some of the pieces in pictures that were pretty orange, but was it, like, inside gutted? Was it completely rusted out? Was it well, just... Again, was I it didn't a watch putty the, buddy? I or? didn't watch the video. It yeah. really ticked me off. But it could have been... It could have been 
worth fixing up. It could have been yeah. somebody's first project. It could have been somebody's first extra car. You're still looking for a first extra car. You probably could have had this you, with Craigers. With Craigers. That might have been the right guy. There <laughs> he also inquires if the audience would like any parts from the vehicle as he tapes his phone to a nearby fence. In order to film the whole affair, boy, yeah, this guy is uh, he's, hey, he's, huh? he's on top of it. There's somebody, there's somebody without any uh, uh, anxiety issues or anger Ooh. issues. Would, wouldn't it have been funny if one of those pieces came off right off the bat, flipped off, hit his phone, broke no, the recording, no, and then I, and then he wouldn't have gotten I, I out was, of it? I would, I would have <laughs> rather seen part of the saws all blade come back and hit him in the head. <laughs> Ain't nobody wants to spend no money. Everyone wants to lowball, so everybody's crying. Oh, that Camaro. He claims before jumping on the car's roof. Lovely. The video mostly consents, it consists of Mr. Danger slowly depleting a pile of Sawzall blades and batteries. He makes it clear that if anybody wants par- parts for scrap, they should come by his address in Scranton. He also makes it clear he will be keeping the nose of the car, probably the coolest looking part on the whole thing. Uh, he made another Facebook post claiming he has a second 70s Camaro that he also plans to cut up because selling it will be too much of a hassle. What an a-hole. Uh, you know, this is an attention whore. Yeah, uh, and yeah, we're, we're giving him this apparently. stroke, but I'll yeah. never talk about him again yeah. because no. uh, this is a moron that the, the world needs to just erase. He's, it, he's there, an a-hole. Yeah, if there was a Jerry Springer show about cars, this would this, be This, this guy would be, the would be on guess. it. I'm certain he's already guess. been on it for something other than cars, you know. <laughs> His sister screwed a Marine fleet or something. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be on the History <laughs> Channel with his fleet. own uh, custom show. <laughs> I'll tell you what, guys. I got a lot better news after this. Yes. Nice. Our special guests this week are Seth Burgett of Gateway Bronco and renowned Ford GT chief designer Camillo Pardo. They will be right here on. to discuss the Ford GT, badass Broncos, classic Ford pickups, and their collaboration on the cool stuff coming from Gateway. Also, a little later in the show, we will have the master of hearse madness, Chris Deganchi. Yes. Chris is going to be here to tell us about the monstrous hearse build he's working (laughs) on. Oh, my good Lord. you got to hear about this thing. Uh, The science of doing dumb stuff, how painting your office can help you build a motor. All of this and much more is coming up on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio World Headquarters in Overland Park, Kansas. Our special guests this week are returning friend of the show, Seth Burgett of Gateway Bronco and renowned Ford GT chief designer, Camillo Pardo. Seth is an entrepreneur, a prolific inventor, a frequent speaker at Washington's University, Washington University's Olin School of Business, a licensed vintage race car driver, and... Probably in running for the world's most interesting man. If he, if it's cool, he's probably doing it. Nice, nice. Uh, Camilo Pardo is a graduate of the Center for Creative Studies. He's worked for Ford Motor Company and Dearborn Advanced Studios, Ford's Europe, Ford of Europe's uh, Torino, Italy studio, and design studios in Cologne, Germany. He was the chief designer of the second generation Ford GT supercar. Camilo has now partnered with Gateway Bronco as their chief designer. 
And Camilla will qu- will is that cool? Yeah, that's all right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. let that out. That one puts me right in the mic. <laughs> and and like, he's oh, going to be working closely with uh, Gateway's clientele to reimagine their heritage Ford Bronco and classic F series trucks. Gentlemen, uh, thank you for being with us, and welcome to Driven Radio. Thanks for having us, Seth. You don't uh, you don't sit still too much. It's really aggravating to see just how <laughs> how active you are. Uh, what'd you do on your summer vacation, dude? Okay, so summer vacation involved a vintage truck. wasn't a Bronco, but it was a truck that we pulled a Bronco out of a barn, and I liked it so much that I had to buy it too. It was original paint, F100, in the light jade green, uh, 1972 F-Series truck. And so we drove it back from Colorado to uh, Gateway Bronco over last winter. So this summer, we took it from... Hamill, Illinois to Glacier. And we pulled a tiny uh, Outlander camper. And so we went to Glacier in an Outlander camper and an F-100 truck and went to the mountains, uh, which is one of our favorite things to do. Nice. Very cool. Uh, Right after you were last on the show, Ford unveiled the new Bronco. Uh, What are your thoughts on that truck? Did they get it right? I think they did. I think they've done an outstanding job. I think you'll see from every perspective uh, they put the consumer first, and um, they have just looked at every direction and how to achieve and exceed with the customer. And so we're here in Dearborn uh, this week to see the Bronco for the first time face-to-face. Oh, okay. So that answers my next question. I was going to ask if you had a chance to have one set next to your Gateway Broncos. Tomorrow morning. Oh, cool. Oh, man. Very cool. That ought to be neat. Uh, do you think the enthusiasm for the new Bronco will carry over to what you're doing? Well, you know, we think so. Um, I think if you look at the prior uh, examples, when Camillo created the Ford GT and you look at the previous versions of both the recreations as well as the originals, all went up in value. The same thing happened with the um, when you look at the Hemi side of the world, when the new modern Hemi came out, the vintage went up in value. Same thing with the Shelby Mustang. They all went up in value. So we think that it's just going to create more and more momentum for the Bronco. And we have clients that say uh, we want a new Bronco to match our vintage Bronco. And uh, we've already have 100 on order for us. Oh, very cool. So uh, something else that uh, I've been watching through Gateway uh, is Gateway Broncos becoming known for its philanthropic efforts almost as much as it is for the trucks. Uh, what are your current projects? What do you have in the works right now? Well, you know, Brett, I really appreciate you noticing that. We, um, we've had a long history of philanthropic efforts from my previous company to this one. And just because we're a small company doesn't mean we can't multiply ourselves and by partnering with others, create some philanthropic impact, some societal impact. And so um, to date, we've, we've had donated through the work we've done together with others about $1.3 million wow. uh, nice. to Haiti, to the Dominican Republic, to inner city uh, rec center that's being built in Kansas City, uh, to um, literally thousands of meals that are given out to the, uh, the folks below the poverty line in St. Louis. And so uh, our latest project 
you know, we have the electric Bronco, which hits the societal side from a couple of directions. Uh, we take a lot of heat from the, the purists in the Bronco world, uh, but the broader world of folks buying our vehicles are looking for a lower carbon impact, carbon footprint. And at the same time, um, if they can support one of these charitable aspects, they're, they're on board with it. And so uh, we'll have one more coming up later in the year. I can't announce now, but uh, it will. We think, we think by the end of the year, we'll have donated about $1.5 million to charity. Hoofa. That's a ton. That'll work. That's amazing. Uh, Camillo, you've been sitting there quietly and patiently. Now we're going to pick on you. (laughs) We're we're all huge fans of your work, and we're dying to hear about your involvement with the Ford GT. How did you come to be the chief designer on that project, and what are some of the biggest challenges with bringing that car to market? When I started on that program, I had like 15 years into the company. Um, I was working under a director that was, he was running the advanced design studio. Uh, We actually had worked on the GT90 together. And 10 years before that, I, I, um, I jumped onto a mid engine vehicle that was, it never made out, made made it, it never made it through production, but the target was Ferrari and Porsche. So when the Ford GT was given to our studio. And at that moment, it was the GT40. Um, It was, I mean, it was my third mid-engine car in a a domestic company like like Ford, which were, it was like the the sedan specialists, you know, the Taurus that basically set the pace for many years. And and now it's like an SUV specialist. (laughs) When a company like that puts out a Ford GT, it's kind of, um, it's surprising, and uh, well, they seem to do a good job every 10, 20 years, because <laughs> there's always a gap. It was 10 years, every 10 years for a while. But um, my director gave me the project. He you know, came up to me one day, and he just goes, Camillo, you're on the GT40. And that's kind of hard to believe. I mean, you go home from work going, did I really hear that? Um, <laughs> it last longer than a week. You know, um, projects like that are very sensitive to, um, you know, being canceled. Yeah. And it, it was delayed at one point while I was designing a, a Mustang Cobra. So we pushed the GT to the side a little bit, did the Cobra Mustang. It was an SVT product. And then they came up and said, can you get that GT ready in two weeks for a re- uh, review? And it was like two weeks, <laughs> actually. And, uh, you know, it was like four weeks and we'll make it, you know, beautiful. But then it came back to life and, uh, and we pushed it through. Uh, I think times were hard back then, you know, for the auto industry and, it was 1999, 2000, 2001, while we're doing the development of it. And that's when 9-11 happened. Yeah. And um, there was the issue with Firestone. There was a lot of obstacles that, you know, that we had to get through and keep pushing that car through. We, we kind of lost production for a little bit. And they said, why don't you just finish the concept car? We're already committed. And I was upset about that, but I, I made it a point to do the best concept car I'd ever done at Ford. And 
it worked. Everyone <laughs> yes. got excited. Yes. And the Centennial was around the corner. They needed a feature car. So Bill Ford, you know, he saw the enthusiasm around the car and the magazines couldn't stop, you know, putting on the cover. So he asked the engineers, can you really do this? And uh, our engineers in the advanced design studio, we respected, you know, production kind of feasibility to a certain degree. So it wasn't such a spaceship that it was impossible to achieve. We, um, we kept it within striking range. It was a tight window. We got through it, a lot of screaming and yelling, but we did it. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was nice, you know, to be able to go to get the concept car to cause enough enthusiasm to um, request a production vehicle in record time. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty cool. When you see what these did uh, once they went on sale and then a couple years down the road, uh, down the road, what are your thoughts on the collectabilities on the collectability of these cars? They just seem to have gone crazy and they've stayed uh, almost double sticker in a lot of cases. Did anyone, think, when you were working on this, think this was going to be that successful? We, um, no, we didn't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a shot in the dark really, because that is a, a Ferrari competitor. Mm-hmm. You know, our target was Ferrari to outperform it in every category on the street, not like the recent one that was for Le Mans. But um, the, the one thing about it is there wasn't very many made. There was just over 4,000 over the two years. And the other thing about it is that the engineers made us work on that car and make it, it, it went through so much durability. I mean, that thing is as tough as an F-150. I've driven those cars across the country several times to California, all the way down to the Keys, Texas, New Orleans, several tracks around the country, and I never, I never truck it, I drive it. I drive it there, I track it, and I drive it right back to wherever else I have to go. That's I probably you. have over 100,000 miles across all the ones that I've owned. That's very cool. The car is really tough. It is reliable. So I think that that adds to the value of it and that there wasn't so many. And um, I mean, I just feel sorry for all the other cars, you know, like Ferraris. <laughs> you buy those, you know, they lose value. You can wait a couple years and buy it for two thirds. Yeah. And it's, the opposite's happening with the Ford GTs. Even under this COVID situation, they still went up. Yeah. Yep. And to me, I love that. It's great. It's a great compliment for the whole team, but it makes it hard to buy it because now I have to spend more money. (laughs) I'd rather buy it for MSRP still, please. Now tell us a little bit about the Camillo Signature Series GTs. It started off very interesting with uh, with a friend of mine. We did a special vehicle for an auction. It was an auction in Vegas when we did the the Ford GT National Rally. Carol Shelby was there. He was signing all my prints and paintings and those things were selling like crazy. And uh, and then we rolled out a GT that we kind of redid ourselves uh, with, a, with a different livery that wasn't available in production. 
And the basic idea was, let's, let's do everything to this car that I couldn't get in production. Mm-hmm. But I think we got almost like at least 95% of what we wanted into production. So it's just little details here and there on the paint, the wheels, the interior, the gauges, the fuel uh, shifter. Uh, well, that one had twin turbos that was oh. generated by another buddy of ours, and it brought the uh, 550 horsepower to about 1,000 conservatively. Finishing the turbos, and I was putting the racing dots on it and the stickers and all that. And it was taking a long time, and I was getting calls you know, the auction started, you better hurry, your pieces are selling, you better get here, that car's gonna be next, get here. And I jumped in this thing, drove it across Vegas, and it was so fast. I mean, you had to be careful. Allegedly. <laughs> what it is. It is, it's like a, you know, like a dog trying to get away. I was lucky enough to review uh, the Mercury 4 car uh, for Sports Car Market Magazine when it went through a Russo sale in Monterey a couple of years ago. And yeah, we were there. that thing was cool. That was a neat car. Uh, so it was a very special paint job, probably the most difficult one that we've done. That aluminum paint yeah. is sensitive. It's a, you know, a three-level paint. Three, um, but that was car number three. I did one for myself in between because I had had two heritages the golf cars one after another and it was the coolest one to have but i wasn't going to get a third one i was like it's getting monotonous why don't i buy a simple one and we'll repaint it and make it like something that nobody has as soon as somebody saw that they sent us the car and that was the mercury car he says do whatever you want camillo just make sure you send me the color chips and I had an idea of using this concept color paint and fluorescent orange. And I mean, that car has got so much presence. From that car number three, I think I think we're working on number 10 now. Wow. Wow. There's many flavors. And we, we promise everybody that gets one of these that we'll never do another one like that. You've got to so be the, the only person on the planet who would think two heritages back-to-back were getting monotonous. <laughs> of course of course you're the only guy i've seen on jay leno's garage show jay how to close the hood on his car better than he was doing it so uh, he had the great questions we had a lot of fun doing that show i'm having a great time with you guys so how did you two wind up coming together uh and just tell us that story first it's really the Shelby connection, and I think the first time we met was on the streets um, of uh, Tulsa, right? So I think it was Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, we were at the the, the Mid America Shelby event, and uh, okay, cool. uh, he had a he had a Ford GT there, and I was introduced. Um, I think it was by uh, by the founder of the the Mid America event. He said, "Hey, I've got somebody you really have to meet," and it was Camillo. And uh, we had a short conversation, and that was the first introduction. So it's really the Shelby connection. And, you know, I came in with my, uh, my COVID mask that is golf livery to match the race car. And I thought, uh, I thought that would be a, a proper way to see Camillo again for the first time in a while. Yeah, it's a very, very nice mask. I've seen it only on the computer. I think it's a friend of mine that makes those, and she uh, – she, 
produces them here, I believe. And there's a martini racing one that's really nice, too. Oh, now I got to get one. (laughs) (laughs) Seth, I was sure you were going to say you were trying to avoid Vern while you were down at that Cobra meet. (laughs) (laughs) You want to talk Mustangs? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Vern. (laughs) So what are your design ideas going forward? I know that you're going to come up with cool stuff for the Broncos and the trucks, but I'm kind of curious what you've got in store. Well, when you take a vehicle like this and you, you know, you upgrade it, you've got to respect the design of it. And, and, and it, they, I think that it, they've done a great job with it. They've really captured the, the original Bronco, which is also a very sensitive thing. It's, it's happened with a lot of Ford products. It, it happened with the Mustang. Uh, they brought back the Mustang, you know, design you know, philosophy from the 60s, which is my favorite. I got a 67 right here. That's my daily. And it's when you grab something like that and you bring it into the future, a lot, you, you know, everyone's watching you. And uh, you better not screw up. <laughs> <laughs> They're pushing the original car in the studio and all my friends are going, oh, you're so lucky. And then one goes, are you going to do it as good as that one? And now I felt this like yeah, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, somebody brought you Marilyn Monroe, and you had to make her better. You know, and if you screwed <laughs> up, everyone was going to hate you. <laughs> Same thing. They did a good job on the Bronco. Now this is similar to like when we used to do an SVT product. You know, we have to turn up the volume on it. There's assembly lines that give you opportunities to modify front ends and rear ends and and it's it's all about the money i mean if you want there's the hood and we can take it to the fenders usually the doors never get touched in the greenhouse days but um and then there's suspension modifications and um I, you know, and of course, I, there's the powertrain. Yeah, the, I was just going to say the engineers. The there engineers is the, uh, the, the next thing, and uh, they have their own their own uh, menu. I would say, and that's how we describe it: is a menu of upgrades. Like Namely, phrase, being a V8, although we didn't describe that publicly yet. Uh, that is one of the options. So, so Camillo's first commission with us is on the vintage Bronco, honestly, and it's a great client of ours. They have an all black collection every one of their vehicles is black they want one white vehicle they're very patriotic and it's a 1976 bronco (laughs) and they want a stars and stripes livery on the bronco they're huge supporters of the military and they've got one of camillo's four gts in black all black and they would like to have their vintage bronco brought forward in a um you know, a, a very patriotic stars and stripes, American flag livery. And so that's, that's the first commission that we're working together on. And then the other, you know, the way we see this, uh, Brett is we're, I was in a meeting today with a, um, a Detroit native who's built a great business, has an amazing design philosophy, building a Taj Mahal showroom for his, small collection and the Bronco is the highlight that will go into this vehicle, into this, uh, this Taj Mahal, if you will, of, of garages. And uh, the, the, the end result is having a private 
design session here in Camillo's studio to come up with this ultimate vintage Bronco. And that, that's really what we're trying to provide is this completely bespoke way of providing the dreams and the desired outcome of our client through this world-renowned designer and um, just couldn't be more thrilled with that relationship so we can, you know, uh, serve our client better. See, I told you guys that he's always finding a way to make stuff cooler. Cooler, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how soon can we expect to see this? When are these? Uh, when are your design services going to be available? Well, if they give me like a, a due date, I can bracket everything. And it's usually between the due date and then the budget. Well, I got a big date this weekend. All these things really work out. <laughs> and that, you know, then you can kind of pace yourself and figure out how much excitement and how much things can really be accomplished properly in that amount of time. And I like the fast projects. That was the great thing about working in advance a lot is you didn't have to work on a vehicle for four years because that's how long it takes normally, you know, from sketch to, you know, the auto show it's right. four years. Right. And um, in the advanced studio, you had a year. Whoa. A year goes past. <laughs> sometimes they give you less, but a year is good. Yeah. So I don't know what he's got, but we'll do we'll do something exciting with what we've got to work with. Yeah. So we're kicking off the Stars and Stripes program today, right in the studio right now. This is our meeting to kind of kick that project off, that livery for the vintage. And then um, there there'll be a handful of slots throughout the year where people can come in and have that private one-on-one -on -one with Camillo to design their perfect Bronco. And then of course, there's the long-term project, which is the, um, the 2021 Bronco. And that will be uh, a, a whole different animal. But right now we're starting, we're kicking it off tonight. So oh, that's awesome. It, that is what awesome. an awesome start. And it sounds like you guys have a, a big day tomorrow and uh, lots of cool stuff coming down the road. We're gonna be excited to see all of it. Uh, and as soon as you get it done, you got to come back. Uh, we've been speaking to Seth Burgett and Camillo Pardo of Gateway Bronco. You can find all the social media links and websites for Seth, Camillo, and Gateway on readthedriven.com. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Seth, good to see you again. Camillo, very nice to meet you, sir. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. Always a pleasure. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio World Headquarters in what used to be my dining room. <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> hey, we never use the damn dining room. This is a much better use for this Ghost room now. Absolutely is. Uh, our returning special guest this week is Mr. Chris Deganchi. Oh, look at that glass. You do have red in that, don't you? Yes, he does. Yeah. Oh, he wasn't I wouldn't lie to you about this. Wow. This is important work I do. Exactly. Corey and I are just drinking beer. You went all uppity on us. Uh, oh, let me get the pinky out. Let me. Uh, that's very important too. Oh, oh. wow, oh, such class. You've got to remember your that's Emily so, post. So much class. There you go. Chris is the founder of the Dead Ends Hearse Club and one of the founding members of the National Hearse and Ambulance Association. He's also one of my favorite guests because the. 
just you'll find out, folks. If you haven't heard him before, he's well worth a listen. When he's not collecting antique funeral equipment or generally pissing off his HOA with his ridiculous hobbies, he goes on <laughs> epic and sometimes dangerous adventures with his wife. He works in IT management. He has a furniture fabrication business, and he spends an unhealthy amount of time doing stuff on motorcycles. God bless you, sir. Amen. Chris has a pension. That was a great intro. Yeah. Well, hey. (laughs) The best ever. There's more. (laughs) But wait. There's more. Wait. (laughs) There's more. Chris has a penchant for short duration, high intensity activities coupled with an extremely low tolerance for boredom, a.k.a. he's got real poor impulse control, folks. When it comes. Particularly when it comes to his cars and bikes. And last but not least, Chris is the host of Garage 71 Radio on Custom Culture Network. Chris, welcome your bad self back to Driven Radio, dude. It is it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, you guys make me smile uh, every couple of weeks at whatever strange <laughs> interval you feel like releasing podcasts. Time is irrelevant. It's 2020. Oh, yeah, as, as I was mentioning the other day, I was like, the... Uh, do you, do you remember the, the stimulus check uh, era, the Tiger King era of the pandemic? Yeah, it was about because seven years ago, wasn't it? It was seven years ago, but it was six months. I mean, a proper six months. And this like time doesn't mean anything. What does it matter? This is the whose line is it anyway of calendar. Through Gregorian, this is, this is the truth now. Uh, I have just about quit watching news because every time you turn it on, it's like reading the onion. You can't believe it. You can't just make it up. That's the, the I actually like I've been off Facebook and Reddit, which was way harder for, for about three and a half months because I'm like, there's Jeez. no way I'm related to these people and just, <laughs> like it's like what's happening? Well the gay frogs are coming in with the Bill Gates and the, the 5G and like oh my god. I, like people who legitimately think that like there is a global hoax. And all at once, it's like, you're just trying to discredit the president. You know, no, I, like I, this. I, I tell you what, I've started using Mad Magazine as a news source, and I find it's about <laughs> as accurate as anything else. You can't. No, you're not I'm even biased. remotely wrong. So, uh, well, episodes of Spy versus Spy that I think could probably nail this current pro- situation more accurately. Absolutely. So, all of that said, how have you been getting through the shit show that is 2020? <laughs> Well, <laughs> you know what? Actually, it's uh, it's not that bad. My uh, I, I'm very fortunate in that I have a career that lets me work from home. I haven't been back to the office since March, um, so that's been really lovely. And everybody gives me grief at work because I have a radio production studio in my house. Like I'm not coming to you from our recording booth. This is just my office set up. Right. You know, my wife is an audiobook narrator, so we have a sound booth. In no the kidding. Is she yep. really? Oh, she's magnificent. Um, if you guys ever want to geek out on audio stuff, I will tell you about how I like calculated the room size and uh, shortened it so that you wouldn't have sympathetic waves when they crossed over. Anyway. Oh, dear. Oh, oh wow. No. You wow. two are going to go completely Oh, no, no. He's so rails. far out from where I am. Yeah, I, I'm the Craigers of the audio world. And the that's a, uh, just a nice rusty set of Craiger SS yeah. with a couple of missing center caps. I haven't measured Jack. I just glued foam on it and called her done. 
Uh, oh, I think I have that same Amazon Basic foam. Hey, uh, gentlemen, take a look around this room, Jack. <laughs> Tell me what you see. So, I see some. I see some egg crate. You yeah, know, got some a little that, bit of egg know. crate and it's sexy and some sexy har- egg crate. Some, some Harley decorations and a big neon sign with my name on it. Hell's so, yeah! There I you like go. it. I like it. That's way better than me going by Calvin Klein because that's what's on my underwear. <laughs> I was, it's actually it's actually been pretty good. Um, haven't really had a chance. Like, um, <laughs> forgot to update you guys. I also own a video production company. Uh, oh wow! So I've been, been, been making a bunch of commercials and videos for like Harley dealers and lawyers and stuff like that. So, oh dude, uh, that's been taking up more of my time than building furniture. But all it really does is just pay for car stuff. So yeah, um, there you go. And that guitar right there. Uh, um, we're going to get the we're pretty gonna green get to one. That. We're going to get hey 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 oh, hey hey. Oh, hey. I, I, sorry, sorry sorry sorry. Don't look at the action figures too. too. Don't jump the damn gun yeah, would you knock it off. So discuss with us if you will the science of doing stupid things uh namely this rather monstrous build I hear you've got in the works. Well let me let me preface this by saying that there there are certain personality traits that I just cannot seem to escape about myself. <laughs> For instance, I had to paint my office because I'm building a turbo hearse. And like this makes total sense in my world, but to the the lesser uh, ADD people of the world may think, well, that's just crazy. But not me. I completely was, understand. See, you get me. You get me. You had me in hello, right? It's, uh, we're going to do this in sign language. Um, the thought being, I was like, okay, I want to do something absolutely properly Retarded, and when I say retarded, I'm talking about actually taking timing out and preventing fires. Um, <laughs> wow, like good save! I was like, "How the hell am I going to edit that?" <laughs> You're not. Just let it fly. I did a talk at work one day, actually. Like I was, I was doing a, the advanced uh, compression engine discussion. And I work with a bunch of nerds, right? So, like, they want to know the deep science of things. Um, but then I was like. Well, this is properly retarded, and uh, <gasps> the gasp. I was like, "You take twelve degrees of timing out in order to run this fuel." <laughs> and they're like, what? I was like, "Yes, you retard timing. That's how that works." So, um, wanted to do something properly ridiculous, and uh, so we thought, "Hey, you know what? I've got a giant motor, I've got a giant car, and I'm an idiot. So why don't we uh, let's put a turbo on this sucker? Well, oh my God. turbo on it, we got to do fuel injection. So if we're going to do fuel injection, we should get an ECU, which bought me a Mega Squirt three. Uh, well, if I'm going to do a Mega Squirt three, then I have to have a dashboard, right? And your standard analog gauges aren't just going to be quite enough. So I need a touch screen, which then led me to <laughs> building a Raspberry Pi with a seven inch touch screen. But then I needed a bezel. So in order to put a bezel in the car, I bought a 3D printer, and I didn't have anywhere to put my 3D printer. So I bought a couple of like tool cabinets and a big bench. And to put my 3D printer on so I could print the bezel for the screen for the ECU. And so I thought, well, if I don't paint my room now, I'm never going to move this cabinet. So I had to paint my room because I'm building a turbo hearse. Like, that's how my brain this, works. This beats your idiot. trip to the hardware store winding up with a new serpentine belt all to hell, Mark. You know, I take some back roads to get to a place, but that was one hell of a ride. <laughs> and this is why we keep having him back. <laughs> this is exactly why we keep having him back. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm going to the fridge. What are you going to do? Well, I need to build something. Yeah. You know, all right. So the, the ridiculousness, the absolutely proper in the science of doing something stupid or what I like to call while you were in there syndrome uh-huh. <laughs> um, basically so 
I, I'm laughing at myself because I realize the absurdity of what I'm about to tell you. Um, so we buy this turbo. Well, we buy a lot of things. It's been in a, you know, been amassing parts for about three years now. So I bought the ECU a couple of years ago. Like I said, Megasquirt 3 Pro, it's the goods, right? 60-pound injectors, this 1,000 CFM Holly throttle body, a Bulldog aluminum intake, which we were able to uh, machine ourselves. And, you know, it's the car is going to make north of 800 at the flywheel uh which you know because we like ideally if we could hit triple six at the wheels i'm leaving that tune period <laughs> oh man this is, this is the devil's power you know like some of the fires of hell itself um i just want to see a hearse with wheel tubs in it please jesus please <laughs> jesus please jesus you know what there's one the the one set the record yesterday it is a chassis hearse with like big tire car like not like 28, 10 and a half, like a proper big tire car, big LS motor in it with a giant turbo. It went like nine zero at 148 miles an hour. <laughs> oh, my God. Holy moly. And, and I'm it, like, I got nothing for you, son. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> and it's got a personalized tag on it that says Rocket Box. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, actually, I think it's uh, uh, it goes on Instagram as Hall and Ash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so happy. I thought it was pretty clever. But, but yeah, I, I it's kind of like, you know, you get out of the pool in the winter, you know, and you're naked and, you know, Scarlett Johansson stinks. There's like, I got nothing for you. What, you know, what am I going to do? Like, this looks like an elbow with a thumb sticking out of it. I'm done. You know, like, there's just, I got nothing to handle. Shriveled up like a stack car. of dimes. Yeah. Stack. Hey, we got a 30 cents, brother. Come on. Personality's got to go a long way. That's a, that's kind of. <laughs> You're not good looking, you know. Uh, can't be handsome, be handy, right? <laughs> so Jesus. that's that's the basics of it. But then, like the the science of it becomes. Uh, so I'm a geek by trade. So I like to study everything. I like to understand everything. So take big, you know. You don't just take giant, stick my head in it like it's a you know German porn kind of size turbo, and put it on a car, German right? Porn. Cars got four pit or uh, cast pistons from the factory, eight and a half to one, you know, seventy six cc uh, cylinder heads that flow like two hundred eighty four cfm at six hundred um, or point six hundred inches of lift, right? And I won't talk about lobe separation and stuff like that. But when you you don't accidentally make eight hundred horsepower on no. your like street car. Right, it takes a little bit of effort. So then, you know, you start figuring out. All right, well, I need soap dish pistons, and uh, so if I take the bore up, you know, go ten thou over, then I can run big Chevy stuff, and I can run I beams. And if I take, you know, thirty off the crank, then I can, you know, it'll take me up to five hundred twelve cubic inches, uh, and it should be good for about twelve hundred horsepower. But then I have to take about uh, thrush on the crank, so you know, girdles, main caps, all that stuff. All of this, and then I have to pay my office <laughs> because. I don't have a dipstick in the car. <laughs> right? there originally, I was just going to put giant moron turbo on the car. And then I was like, well, I need to put an oil sensor in there because I don't have a dipstick. And the reason I don't have a dipstick is when we were putting the long tube headers on, it broke off. So I just took a piece of brake line and shoved it down in there. But I have actually no idea how much oil is in my car at any given moment. I just wait until the lifters start making noise. <laughs> add, a, you know, add a quart and a half. A and, and then half. I'm good. So I was like, well, I got to pull the motor out because you got to put the dipstick in from underneath, which means you have to take the oil pan out. So I got to pull the motor. And I'm thinking, well, the motor's out. 
I might as well. Uh, well. <laughs> while you're in there. No, while you're in there. <laughs> might as well put a set of I-beams and forged pistons and, you know, like oversized valves and all that stuff. So You just wait for lifter clatter. What do you mean you need to buy another case of Rizlone? What? What's that noise? Well, after after the third warning. transmission and the second set of drive shafts, I figure I'm probably doing okay because, <laughs> knock on wood, the motor hasn't actually exploded yet. But Oh, my Lord. Um, That's cool. I have the type of luck that, you know, like I have, I had an 87 F350 with a 460 in it, and everybody's like, that thing is a piece of crap. I'm like, but I love it. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm an optimist, and I look at stuff and I say, I can fix that. God love you. And <laughs> just money just pours out. Like, <laughs> like I have it. And uh, yeah, that, that thing put a rod Soul through the pan. Um, yeah, least oh. horsepower thing I've ever blown up in my life. I, <laughs> un- a 460, an 84 460 makes like 160 horsepower on a good day. <laughs> How do you even break with that much power? I, I could have just snapped the rod by hand or like with my teeth, you know. <laughs> We've gone on a journey together, gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> you take a journey, I take a journey. We take a journey together. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> You take the ring this time, Frodo. I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want it? You got it. <laughs> so uh, while we're on the topic of uh, of cars and fast stuff, uh, you have some opinions about uh, car stuff on YouTube, and uh, what <laughs> what is what is good and what is not so good uh, for hot rodding. Let, let's can you combine two us, subjects? Please? Actually, um, so like. There, there's TV cars shows and then there's YouTube car shows and and mm-hmm. God bless everybody who's like taken apart this very specific dishwasher and replaced the you know the uh, masticator turbine in it you know and like videotaped <laughs> it and guys like well you got seven number you know eight screws in here so let me get let me get this out with some bitch right here you know like I love that guy and I appreciate uh-huh. that he exists. I have never felt so compelled to give back to the world as the guys who fix dishwashers and cars. And like, just, I appreciate them, you know, Hey, what's the perfect temperature to smoke this, you know, Duroc pork butt, you know, there's like 700 videos of like the perfect (laughs) rub and like, how do you stoke coals? I mean, it's like just a wonderful thing. Us old bastards. And, uh, I, I feel like we're, we're all relatively the same vintage. Um, you yeah, know, my mileage may vary, but like, oh, I got the gray, man. I uh, every one of these hairs I earned. Oh, gray, um, gray bullcrap, man. This is white stuff growing out of my chin. I look like I'm. All, a, I look like I'm on my way to Santa Claus training camp. <laughs> I'll be honest, man. You got a bit of a. You know, you're about to say Yamo be there, like Michael McDonald style. Like, <laughs> like, like, I had to put that together. <laughs> that's never leaving you now. You know, yeah. Michael. <laughs> it's it's funny how close that is. I got a neighbor right down the street who spent a summer as a roadie for the Doobie Brothers. I would have was skunk and everything. My he, God, he, he tells awful Michael McDonald stories. <laughs> that dude, that dude is a hero. I don't want to hear anything bad about him. <laughs> like, how about this? Let's rephrase that. You you look like a low rent Gordon's fisherman. Um, <laughs> Thank you very little. All right, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Well, it's like I, you know, somebody told me this weekend. It's like you don't actually look like a ginger, and I am a proper ginger, right? Like my my hair's gotten a little darker over the years, but uh, my shoulders look like I went hunting with Dick Cheney. I'm like just <laughs> peppered, and I, I was like, well, I don't have a soul, so each one is like a corpuscle of hate of a soul <laughs> from somebody else. But. 
you know, I, I love the fact that like people will go on YouTube and they will just record whatever main thing that they're thinking of, but they're also will, you know, there's good content out there. Mm-hmm. And there's so many great YouTube channels right now of like, if you're into cars or you're into bikes or you're into stereos or if you're into gaming or like just pick your poison, whatever you're into, there is a YouTube genre for it. Yep. And I have, I'm absolutely addicted to some of these channels. I mean, like your, your standards, you know, your Cletus McFarland, you know, you got to get on and, and yep. hell yeah, brother, you know, the, uh, <laughs> off that guy. Wow. That was really close. <laughs> I, I may or may not binge watch those. Um, there's a guy on there, Richard Holdener, uh, who does uh, like he literally just builds engines and puts them on a dyno. Like whatever he's like, I was like, all right, well, this is a 540 inch uh, big Chevy motor. Let's go ahead and slap a set of AFR heads on it and an 871 blower and see what happens. <laughs> I just watch everything this dude does. This week, this week is Christmas for the Cadillac man because of Richard Holdener. He has five videos in a row. He is at the uh, like Flashcraft, which is the world's foremost authority on the big block Cadillac, and he's beating the shit out of a motor. And I'm just like, refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> <laughs> One of those things you just keep getting excited, you know, when you when you hear somebody's celebrity pictures have leaked, and you just go to Reddit and try and find them. Like that's how I feel every day when I'm on YouTube trying to find this. The problem with YouTube, the flip side of this gloriousness of this information sharing super highway that we have available to us is there's a bunch of a-holes with wrong information. And you could very well build yourself a motor completely out of wrong information. And <laughs> I think those people need to be stopped. Like if you're going <laughs> to fake news, anybody, you need to stop the people telling you about bad Cadillac oiling systems and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I only did that once. <laughs> Jesus. You know, there, there's manuals out there for a reason. I'm just saying, don't trust YouTube to tell you the firing order or like how to torque a set of heads. Just probably a bad idea. <laughs> so I also understand you've got some opinions about car shows on TV. I, I almost shudder to ask. <laughs> well, um, so I, a couple very specifically, uh, care to enlighten us, sir? Yes, and also uh, I meant to mention this. Uh, it's it's on Vice, which is also on YouTube. There's a show called Donk Master. And oh, no. Yes, no. it is. It is superb. Oh, no. It is chef mm. guest like glory. <laughs> the guy's taking like 71 Impalas, right? Building these crazy motors for him, putting them on 30 inch rims, putting a lift kit on it so he can fit 30 inch. Well, rims, yeah. And then <laughs> busting people's asses with these cars. Like I, and I timed it one day. I was like, I was watching one of the videos, and I actually like started the timer. This dude is running like mid nines on these thirty inch rims on these like five thousand pound cars, and I was like, you have given me hope. I drive a seven thousand pound car that's about to be making enough power to move Stone Mountain into my yard, and like I, I'm trying to figure out suspension. I'm trying to figure out like rear ends. I'm trying to figure out like you know how do you put a trans brake on that thing? You know like how do you launch seven thousand pound car with a twenty eight hundred stall car? You know converter in it. So I have to find this guy once my car is done because you know I got Ramsey twenties. You know what I'm saying? And I'm gonna hunt this dude down and I'm gonna be like, Yo, Donk Master, oh great and wise master of the heavy sled, teach me how do you keep from shit exploding. <laughs> Um, but I, I think that car shows fall, you know, like the, the TV car shows fall into the same category of, I think that survivor ruined the world because whoever the asshole was who came up with the idea of reality television, uh, should be just, you know, drawn quartered and then five hours of Cardi B like, every day. 
Because <laughs> 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 you're talking about WAP, like weak ass parts. That's you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, I just I don't I don't like. I mean I like some like I like the voice, which you know maybe not that you know most car people aren't going to go. Oh man, I'm into you know the voice. I like watching people sing. But I'm a musician, so you know I kind of you know I like to see people succeed. But like the car shows on like the History Channel and Discovery and stuff like that, they are. 95% fetid garbage because you know it's like gas monkey garage right gas monkey I actually I watch all of them right like I'm I'm, I'm definitely one of those guys who's like oh a car show you know it doesn't matter yeah, what it right. is it was like yeah. counting cars or this other car shop yeah, building just throw something. the remote away I found it yeah <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Like I, I have been known to sit there. Like I, I miss the Saturdays. Like when you, when you were a kid, you watched like the Hanna Barbera Saturday morning cartoons all yep, day. Yeah. And then yep. as we got older, like there was like trucks and stuff like that on Saturday morning, like car shows. You could like start at seven in the morning till about noon and just watch all like chasing classic cars and Stacy David oh, on yeah. trucks, and you yeah, could yeah. just watch great car TV. And but you watch like, and you watch you know, Stacy David, and you think, how does he never skin a knuckle? That's not right. <laughs> How does he not get dirty? Like you, you pull a car from a mud pit. Like you literally, you know, excavated this thing from the soil of the earth, and is like, yeah, we're just going to take this off real quick. We're going to put ten quarts of synthetic, blah blah blah. And it's like, man, I just want his bench. Frankly, like, it just, <laughs> it's not that he has an unlimited budget. I just think he has one of those magical wallets where, like, every time you reach in, you just pull out the exact amount of money that's necessary for whatever it is. So, you know, he'll go over and take something that's like, oh, well, this is a Dana 60 rear end. And, you know, and then he'll go to the bench and there's just miraculously parts. Like, dude, I need that. You know, if, if there's a Robin Williams genie that will deliver Cadillac parts, please, I'll rub that lamp. I'll, I'll rub it, you know, like in an inappropriate way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know how hard it Whatever is to find takes. a set of rocker arms for a big block Cadillac. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, I'm proud, but you know, unenthusiastic handy behind a dumpster is a is a real thing. So, Please let there be smoke. <laughs> did you rub my lamp? Did you bring me here? <laughs> did you? <laughs> did you bring- <laughs> So you watch you watch some of these shows and Gas Monkey Raj is probably the one that comes to mind the most because it's, you know, here's unreasonable timeline on some piece of crap with some limited amount of budget and beer assistant, yada, yada. And then somehow, some way, a car appears at the end of it. And I, I also think it's like this dude has enough fame at this point in his life. Like, how do you show up at somebody's house to buy a car from them and they don't know that you're Richard Rollins? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Right. And that, that show kind of went downhill for me when Aaron Kaufman left because I felt that he was kind of a, a mad genius of like he had he had certain style that I, I really appreciated. But then the flip side of that is the car show that I watch every episode from beginning to end bitching and rides because it lacks all of the drama of every other freaking car show out there about like, you know, hey, we just bought this car that we rescued from the bottom of a lake. Here's $7 and you have 18 hours to put it in a SEMA show. You know, because that's how these shows work. Yep. <laughs> going over budget 25 cents. Uh, is naked block and afraid is kind of like how that show should work. <laughs> if we don't finish this in three days, we're going to lose the shop. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and, wow. You know, uh, Orange County Choppers, right? Like kind oh, of yeah, the yeah. same yeah. thing. Or like, you know, Jesse James with his mania. Uh, like, it's just, like, these are great craftsmen. I mean, I do not take anything away from them. I just think that it's boring-ass TV. 
Um, we were actually, funny enough, we were reached out to by a company uh, that wanted to talk to me about doing a like a show about flipping hearses. And uh, they're like, can you do us a demo reel? I was like, yeah, I can do you a demo reel. And then like the more I thought about it, I was like, I'm not doing this. Like, I, no. <laughs> I feel dirty. <laughs> I would be everything that I hate. And like, I'm a simple man, you know, like I, every man has his price. Mine's pretty well fixed. Like I, I, I got no problems admitting <laughs> that. Steve but Rogers. Like, <laughs> I have to talk about strong cash before I would be like, you know, what? I'm just going to go buy my friend's cars, change a fan belt and sell it back to them on, on camera. Like, this is boring ass TV. <laughs> Earl Scheibit and you're all good. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Earl Scheib paint job. That's one I haven't heard in a minute. I can sell that hearse for ninety nine ninety five. Oh my god. Hey, y'all must be in the Midwest. We they were the one forty nine man. <laughs> paint, you paint's screwed. way more expensive out here because it means something. <laughs> it means fifty dollars more. <laughs> So yeah, there you go. There's there's my, my take on on TV shows. I just I cannot stand manufactured drama, and I, I think that most of these guys are basically pikers. Uh, but I, I really do borderline man crush on uh, Ken Dig. Like that guy's just his, his vision. He has just so much vision, and the guys he's got working for him, best craftsmen I've seen. I mean, just from a pure hot rod standpoint, the guy loves cars. You know, like he's out there and he's like, oh, VW, like he's in a VWs, but then he builds like the nicest Cadillac ever created. But then somebody drives by in like a 70 window, you know, bus or something. And he's like, I have to have it, you know, (laughs) now, Mark. Oh, yeah. Okay. Are you ready? I'm listening. You have something Mark is going to fully geek out on and it's right behind you. It's in the shot. Uh, Tell us about your new guitar. Oh, oh man! I'm Mark, glad try to, to talk contain about yourself. <laughs> um, so what? Uh, I, I don't know if you guys can. You know, for those listening, you're not going to be able to see this, but envision, if you will, like take it. You know, dig, if you will, this picture in the immortal words of Prince. Right? Um, for those who don't know who Brian Setzer is, turn off your car. Stop whatever you're doing. Like if you don't so know who Brian Setzer is, I'm guessing is, this starts stop. with a G. And learn yourself yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, just avail yourself of, of anything that has anything to do with cars or being awesome. Um, like, leave just leave if you don't like Brian Setzer that means you probably don't like Elvis and if you don't like Elvis that makes you a Beatles man which probably makes you a communist by definition so. <laughs> oh my god it's like it's like you reached in my, into my soul and found my entire meaning right there yeah. holy shit <laughs> well, there's a scene amazing. in Pulp Fiction where she, you know, she talks about uh, Mia Wallace I, it was actually cut from the movie but it was on the end of the DVD um, which is like, look, there's two types of people. You're an Elvis man or you're a Beatles man. You can like both, but which one are you? Obviously, uh, Vinny Vega was a uh, you know an Elvis man, and I am an Elvis man <laughs> because you know the pompadour, right? There you go. Of uh, course, good looking ma- man, Mr. Elvis Presley. Great hair, not as good as Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan had some fine hair. <laughs> yeah, so Brian Setzer, right? Brian Setzer is one of my three favorite guitarists in the entire world. So if you, you know, Dimebag Daryl from Pantera, David Gilmore from Pink Floyd, and then Brian Setzer. Ooh, Brian nice. Setzer is. Yeah, uh, for modern rockabilly, the absolute list. king. You yes. know, all rockabilly can be traced back to uh, Scotty Moore playing on That's All Right Mama by Elvis. But like, love me some Brian Sesser, new take on it, Stray Cats, love it, love it. Um, I have had my my heart set on my favorite color. You guys have seen my car. It's a dark metallic green. It's actually, at this point, it's just pure patina that was once green. But like, <laughs> that was once green, green is my favorite color. Yeah. And specifically, my favorite color in the entire world is Bass Boat Metal Flake Green. 
Like you can take anything, paint it bass boat metal plate green, and I will make you an offer on it. It doesn't matter what it is. It's like, <laughs> what do you have here? Well, this is a Honda Civic. I'm not buying a Honda Civic. Well, it's bass boat green. I'll buy it. Ooh, you know? <laughs> See previous statement of I'm an idiot. So every decision I make starts with that premise. I am also a, I'm definitely a rockabilly guy. I've got a few Gretsch guitars and uh, you know, it's that Gretsch sound. You know, if you're into mm-hmm. guitars, it, you're either into the Gibsons, um, you know, the three thirties or you're into a Gretsch with a Bigsby on it. And I've got a, I bought a, a, a Gretsch 5120 a long time ago, a black one. I pinstriped it. Brian Setzer and Jim Heath from the Reverend Horton Heath both signed that guitar over the years. And it, it's one of my most prized possessions. Oh man, that's and too cool. For years and years and years, I've, I've told my wife, I've told everybody who will listen because, you know, I, I'm the type, I don't know strangers, you know, like I, I've made friends in bank lines, literally. Um, <laughs> so anybody that'll listen to be like, hey, someday I'm going to buy myself a Brian Setzer hot rod and green sparkle metal flake, you know, just a big fat ass bass boat metal flake. They are freaking expensive. Man. <laughs> I was like, there's. Oops. I've been, I've just kind of been waiting, you know, like I, I don't mind spending, you know, some money, but like when in, the number suddenly has a comma in it, like I, that takes pause, you know, <laughs> like everybody has their threshold, you know, like what you consider just kind of bullshit money. And, you know, my wife and I each have many jobs, you know, like West Indians from like the, uh, uh, living color skits, you know, yeah. like you got nine jobs, you, you, got got nine lazy, jobs you know, <laughs> um, like, you know, she's got three jobs. I have three jobs, you know, with corporations around all of them. And I still couldn't justify buying one of these <laughs> guitars. And then most of the time, they just sit there and collect dust. Uh, a friend of mine hits me up one day. He goes, dude, you're not going to believe this. Brian Setzer is selling off half of his collection of guitars. <gasps> uh, I said, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Keep so talking. I, uh, I went to my credit card provider. I was like, well, what is my available credit? <laughs> and uh, I've set it on my calendar. Uh, I denied some meetings at work so I could know the moment that they went on sale. And I sat there, refresh, refresh, refresh. And they went on sale. And I swear to you, the first guitar that went up was no. the sparkly green hot rod. Right, it's a 2014 sparkly green Gretsch. I bought that mother, and the, like you couldn't like there was no question, there was no decision making. It was just, and it went cheaper than I was expecting, like a lot cheaper than I was expecting. It was a little just 10 percent more than a brand new one, right? And the description says wow. you know it comes with case, no scratches, has some sweat stains on it, and I thought. Holy you girl. know, I may be a weird bastard, but I'm not going to like lick Brian Switzer's sweat off my guitar, but nah. I'm never cleaning the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's Brian's DNA. I bought that too. I got I'm a piece clone of another him. one. That's the key. That's a, I'm going to make myself a little mini Setzer, you know, <laughs> so buy the guitar. It arrives like two days later and uh, I open the case and there's, you know, a certificate of authenticity in there that this guitar was owned by Brian Setzer. This was one of his guitars. Uh, so I pulled the serial number up on it and um, got to geek out on you for a second. But like the 2015 model of the Setzer hot rod has uh, TV Jones pickups in it, which have a Brian Setzer signature on it. And the 2014s have a metal plate on the headstock. So there's a slight difference to the radius of the, the frets. The paint's slightly different and the pickups are different between the 2014 and 2015. Mine is a 2014. The serial number says it was built in March of 2014, and it has serial number 0002. Uh, Gretsch reserves one through 100 for prototypes and one-offs. 
So I emailed Gretch. They said, I can't help you. I emailed TV Jones. They're like, well, let's see what we can do. You need to talk to this guy. I talked to this guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, that is the prototype that Brian approved for the paint color. So it is the the first one that was painted in that color. And it went on tour with him. And so he played that guitar on the 2015 tour and then put it back in his collection. And I bought it. it. Is your wife upset she no longer gets to sleep in bed with you? I, I went the, to the couch. The guitar is, um, is taking her place. <laughs> it was it was funny when I took it out of the case though, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm staring at it. And I'm just overcome, and I go to play it. And I'm like, I forgot how to play guitar. <laughs> and, and I, so I, I hand it to her. I'm like, do you want do you want to hold it? And she holds it out like me when somebody hold hands me a baby. You know, like, I don't I don't know what to do. I don't have children. I get this little brat away from me, and she's like, I don't want to hurt it. So. Uh, yeah, first thing we did is we added it to my insurance writer. Yes. And, um, <laughs> well, I'm, it's just, I'm it's picturing beautiful. you opening the case and the light like out of the it's, briefcase oh. and Pulp Fiction is coming out of it. Oh, hell, it's more it like was, Indiana I Jones. Think it was a little more like um, <laughs> when beautiful. they opened the Ark in, uh, in <laughs> yeah. the Raiders. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I was like, the- don't look directly at it. <laughs> Close your eyes while he plays. Yeah, open the ar- opening the ark in Raiders or opening the trunk on the Malibu in Repo Man. Oh, my God. That is a strong reference. My God, that's wonderful. Thank you for that. Geez, <laughs> similar vintage. It has to be because, you know, these young folks, they don't get it with the radical hey, hey, cancel they culture. They don't understand. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've had you on a few times before. And my favorite question in inter- any interview is always, what's the dumbest thing you've done in a car? But you've already told us a lot of the dumbest things you've already you've done oh, in no. cars. No, I haven't. Oh, <laughs> by a long shot. <laughs> but, I, but I got a really specific one in mind this accepted. time. Uh, uh, what you got? What you got? Uh, rather than going back to the well a third time, why don't you tell us the story of Joel, the mad fabricator, buying a Buick from you and then putting it on a trailer? All right. So as all of my stories do, there's a little bit of backstory. You know, it's a series of unfortunate events that arrives at any point. Right? Uh, had a 97 Cobra, you know, nice mid 12, you know, high 12 second car on street car on street tires. Right. Really mm-hmm. dead nuts on the street. Had 430s hit it everything that you could put on one that was without cracking the uh, the motor open had a uh, a bit of a electrical problem so every couple of days the battery would be completely dead on it and uh, i worked in downtown atlanta i live in the sticks so it's 48 miles door to door to the office wow. and a car that gets 12 to 14 miles to the gallon because of 430s and a tko 500 and yeah. a spec stage three clutch you know at one point literally one my calf on my left leg was bigger than the one on my right <laughs> And my seat, this, I'm not kidding. This isn't even a joke. My seat was bent from pushing in the clutch because you'd have to bury your shoulder into the clutch to push or into the seat to push into the clutch or you just slide out of the seat, right? That kind of clutch, very binary experience. One day I decided I've had enough of this car. I've had a lot of fun with it. It's wonderful, but I'm just done. And uh, so I sold the car and I bought a 51 Buick Roadmaster. There you go. And a Corolla. I, I hate to admit oh. that. Like, uh, and a Corolla. The Corolla I was in a job interview once. They were like, do you have any regrets? I was like, yeah, the, I bought a Corolla. Once. <laughs> he found the Corolla in the trunk. The, of the, the Corolla was in the trunk, yeah. yeah. God, what, a, what a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, it did everything it was supposed to do. It's just none of the things it's supposed to do are good. <laughs> so, um, so I buy this 51 Roadmaster. Uh, we're actually in Viva Las Vegas. My wife and I are out there. We used to go every single year to the big Rockabilly Weekender. 
and I'm seeing just these the biggest, most beautiful car show you've ever seen. Nothing out there is later than a 64. And mm. you got the guys coming out from, you know, uh, California bringing their, their stuff. And you've got people from all over the world bringing these crazy hot rods. And I am just like, I need one. I need a big sled. I got to come up with something interesting. Uh, my friend Jeremy was car was house sitting for us. So I found a car on Craigslist. I'm like, Jeremy, go into the kitchen, under the cabinet with the blender. Uh, look in this box. There's about 3000 bucks. Take it. Go buy this car. And uh, so Jeremy being the good friend that he is, he literally, literally just goes and grabs it because he's a car guy too. You know, like if anybody said that to me, I would do the exact same thing. If I have the means, I'll just go get it. 51 Buick Roadmaster, straight eight, uh, you know, torque flight transmission, giant car. I mean, it's hard to imagine a car can like look the same size as my hearse in the garage, but this thing did. <laughs> I had a car for a couple of years, uh, you know, put floor panes and it got it running, that kind of stuff. But I just never fell in love with it. You know, it's just one of those cars that you, you, you know, it seems like something you'd really like, but the wheelbase on it was weird. Like this, the wheels just sat too far in mm-hmm. and I didn't feel like doing a full chassis on it. And it just never, we never connected. So Joel, who's one of my best friends. And like, when I say the mad fabricator, Jesus Christ, man, you, you, you talk to him and you can just watch his eyes dart around like he's <laughs> creating and then reading a blueprint at the same time. And anything, the car he's building simultaneously at our shop with the ridiculous hearse build makes my car look sane and like a really good idea. And it's, and it's a Volkswagen, like it's a Jetta, right? But it's going to be like a 600 horsepower rear wheel drive Jetta with an independent 8.8 in it. It's like the knuckles he built are out of a Passat without a four bearings with BMW hubs in them, a Z4 transmission, Porsche mid shafts. I mean, like that's just the rear end. <laughs> oh my god mad fabricator right so um i was I, talking to joel you know we're, we're sitting in the driveway having some cold beers and as you do and uh, i was like man i i don't like this car but he's like oh, i'll buy it from you. i don't know what's a what's a good price he goes you know what? how about this let me let me trade you some shit i was like okay i like that even better mm-hmm. you know um so he ends up trading me an upright base and a cabinet for this 51 Buick Roadmaster that has not seen the road since Nixon, right? And <laughs> so car sits for a couple of weeks in my driveway or, you know, in the garage. And uh, he probably just shows up with this like lawn trailer, not a lawn trailer, but something you haul a bobcat with. It's not really a car trailer. Oh, no. <laughs> and the car does not run, right? This is an important detail that I have to keep mentioning. This six volt negative ground positive or positive control. ground car does not run. And it also has the worst brakes of anything. Like if you've ever ridden a bicycle with wet pads, like it's like that. <laughs> so, and the seats are out of it, right? The, the seats are in the basement and, you know, I've welded in a floor pan, but like, so we, we push the car out into the street and Joel just jumps in it with a spare tire out of his truck uh, as the seat and just rolls this thing and at like 20 something miles an hour down the street hits the perfect line up the trailer creates a little bit of air as it arcs and then just lands perfectly on this bobcat trailer and i think to myself i was like man you know what sketchy setups get shit done (laughs) (laughs) so new motivational meme Well, the rules at our shop, right? Like we have priorities. It's, you know, speed first, you know, uh, look second, safety third. So um, we definitely achieved speed that day and uh, it looked crazy. So there you go. Not the dumbest thing I've done in a car, but 
not even the top 30 of Joel's craziest things, but it was one of the dumber things we did together. Nice. That's beautiful. I love it. Oh, man. We've been speaking with Chris DeGanchi, my favorite madman <laughs> of the hearse world. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you, can, you can find Chris online. All of the links can be found at readthedriven.com. He is the founder of the Dead Ends Hearse Club and one of the founding members of the National Hearse and Ambulance Association. You can also hear him every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Garage 71 Radio at www.garage71.com. You can also find him on YouTube at The Rockabilly Arts. We'll have all of the social media links for Chris on readthedriven.com. Chris, always a pleasure. Can't wait to have you back on. Thank you, sir. And uh, just keep on doing all the cool stuff that you do. Uh, you, I, give, you give the rest of us hope, young man. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. You, uh, I, I feel like collectively we're keeping rock and roll alive. So yeah, just <laughs> one smooth yacht rock jam at a time, I bet. By God, <laughs> brother. By God. Thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate it. See you guys. Thank you so very much for spending time with Driven Radio. 100 episodes in, Woo-hoo! and we cannot thank you enough. Yes. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our, our audience. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt yes. and Catfish Groves. Yo! Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you here next time on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.